Yes, they had weapons. You think there's a script for fighting a war without pissing somebody off? Follow the rules and nobody gets hurt? Yes, innocent people probably died. Innocent people always die but I did not exceed my orders. It's time for David Spade and Patrick Warburton. Alright, hello and welcome to... Ooh, Netflix um, House of Batleths? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there is only one good gack restaurant on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so yes. Hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the Klingoniest of Klingoniest shows about what it means to be a Klingon. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. And my name is Wade Bowen. Yes. And we're talking about a thing called the rules of, or just not the, but rules of engagement. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is the rules of acquisition. Right. We're talking about the rules of engagement. Nope. I'm sorry. Shit. Just rules fact, of engagement. In fact, there's like an alternate universe where... Rules of acquisition. There's an evil version of us, and we're, the name of our podcast is Rules of Engagement. <laughs> right. Uh, but this ain't a mirror but, episode. But this isn't it. No, you're in this, you're, we're in this nightmare timeline. Not that one. <laughs> That's a good one. This is uh, episode 17 of season four. It originally aired on April 8th, 1996. And here is the IMDb description. When Worf destroys a civilian shuttle during an engagement with the Klingons, an extradition hearing is held to see if he must face charges. So yeah, that's uh, this is another classic trial, a crew member on trial. And yeah. that's kind of why I hate the mm -hmm. first 30 <laughs> minutes of it. Really? Really. Yeah, I mean, whenever they want to do character work about somebody, like, oh, quick, put them on trial. They did it with Dax. I, I like this. I act. feel like, um, I think probably your problem is, is that it was pretty formulaic for like up until the last scene. And then the last scene was like a, like a, <laughs> a tour de force, yeah. like a punch <laughs> to the not nads. Right. That's kind of the way I felt with it. Like it was like in the last scene, they were like, right. oh, this is the reason this that's, episode. That's, yeah. that's why that's my whole thing. Is that like, you know, I know oh, we're going to do an interesting way of telling it with everybody being like breaking the the fourth wall yeah. or whatever. I mean, the, the, the way, I mean, I liked it cause it, they, they did some, all um, arguably goofy shit, but it's different how they, I mean, it's a courtroom drama. I don't know. It's they, like taking leftovers out of the fridge and then just adding different, like getting something out of the spice rack and just yeah throwing a dash or something on it to try to get it to, but it's still leftovers. Leftover. Yeah. yeah I like leftovers. Sometimes. Just cause you sprinkled Cajun seasoning on it. That mean it's May, still not. Mm, yeah, throw some throw some obey on that shit well. and. Uh, <laughs> but you obey is a yeah that's a that's a microwave tradition. Here's, or, the, here's what I don't like about it: olive oil and salt. The conceit is is that Worf is in trouble or did the wrong thing for like, <laughs> and you're like, you know, Worf didn't do the wrong yes. thing. This is the one motherfucker that we know inside and out on the show 
So putting him on trial this, is a little bit of a slog for the first 20 minutes. Oh, I just I totally disagree because you know what? He did do the wrong thing, but well, well, well I was going to say that the big reveal is that Cisco defends him to the nut. I guess and, and that, then at the end takes him yeah, to the woodshed. I mean, and it's the classic. I mean, it's a Worf episode, which every Worf episode is. Uh, Worf is a person in conflict with himself and with, and with his culture. And is he fully Klingon or has he been, you know, assimilated? Has he given up parts of his culture to be assimilated into the Federation? Yeah, I know. And, but and I, here's the thing. I'm not worried about this guy. I'm not worried about Ron Canada actually taking Worf off the station. I mean, that shit just isn't going to happen. So it's not like that. And I guess that's my problem. Yeah. I think that's a little unfair, though. I mean, you. Uh, we always know in, in a television, in an active television show, you always know that a main character is not really in peril from the plot. And I guess that's why I. I mean, that, that was sort of the shtick of Game of Thrones right. is that, oh, right. fuck, for three seasons, that was true. You know, so I mean, not, I, I get, really I get the critique, critique but I think it's right. That's, that's a that's, critique of every show. That's kind of my point is that like this is sort of run in the mill for the first 40 minutes. It's, but then it's not they do the well, I was fighting with Worf. And when we fight, I did. Let me talk to the camera now. That's. Different than what I mean. Yeah, it, it's a, it like I said, cheesy. that's a little yeah. Cajun seasoning on it. This is directed by Lavar Burton, so it's like it's the House of Batliths. It's like let me tell you a little bit about <laughs> right. how to do the trial. Like, yeah. <laughs> Chapak, I thought he was amazing. He was great. I loved. I loved. Ron Canada's good. Yeah, yeah. Ron Canada's good. He's good. I mean, he's, he's the fine. voice of uh, Gold Peak Ice Tea. <laughs> so he is. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he's also in The Strain, which I've never watched, but he's in no, he's yeah. in a lot of stuff that's good. Neither neither have I. He plays the president or an admiral or if you or a judge in a lot of stuff. Mm. He's in several West Wing episodes yeah. as the something. You're right. He's the guy in the Situation Room in a lot of West Wing episodes. Right. He's good. And this was like a classic Star Trek episode. It wasn't even really that. It was just a drop-in, drag-and-drop episode. You could have put it in a lot... I mean, other than the uh, current tensions between the Klingon Empire and the Federation, which are kind of this season of DS9. Overall, it was just, it was a, you know, it was an episode of the week that you could have dropped in in almost anywhere. And so just about Worf and his Klingonness. But then, I mean, it even, the cold open was just like, whoa, what the fuck? This isn't out of nowhere. It's just him having a dream. He kills it. And then he sees all these dead mm-hmm. versions of his son and he wakes up and is like, <gasps> one of those and then he's in the brig and odo's like oh nice to see you how you doing you're kind of making you're kind of making the case that it's paint by numbers though oh uh, well sure but i'm saying i'm saying these leftovers taste fucking great <laughs> that's all i'm saying yeah no. okay here's my thing with this i think that i said through most of this episode and going like it's okay it's okay it's okay and then, like, they win in uh, the way that they've telegraphed that they're going to win there sure. was something weird about the manifest and so you're going, okay, okay. And then he goes back to this, and then there's this last scene. And then that last scene, Avery Brooks, is probably the best yeah. Avery Brooks has been to this point. Oh, I think he's on par with the with the best. He's, he's fantastic. He's so... He, but I don't, I don't think... It is the best son... It is the best Avery fault. Brooks as a father. <laughs> like, the way he... Well, you see has, that... As yes. he takes him. And he's, he takes Worf down. Are we going to unpack that scene right now? Because no, no, but I mean, I'm just a father in that all the captains are. I mean, it's a father in that the captains are father figures, but he's just like he's just well, being he's like grooming. A, that's where the term like we find out that that he's yeah, yeah. grooming war for he's command. grooming, right. yeah. 
And that, and that, because it's not just that he's saying that you did these things wrong. Yeah, yeah. He lets yeah, yeah. Worf say the first thing, and he goes, "That's the first thing you did thing. What was the second? And so he made but him. Let, we, yeah, but I'm, I'm just I'm going over that scene because I think that that scene is so that I have a generally positive feeling towards this episode. Sure, because I thought that scene that was scene so was good. great. But you know what, Cisco is amazing this whole episode. But like every the, every yeah. critique, oh, I wrote down all these different notes about like all just the nonverbal stuff he's doing. Oh yeah, with his hand. Like yeah, he's really good. When he he says Worf no better than anyone, I think. <laughs> yes, and we get the yes. best Worf oh, yeah. no we've he had. Does, yeah, the best Worf no probably in the <laughs> in the whole. I'd say, yeah. but you know what? Your drag the drag and drop aspect of this that you acknowledge that we're going through here. That wait wait mm-hmm. acknowledge. It's, yeah, it's I acknowledge a bit of a drag it's, and drop. it's it's exactly what you. It's I mean, right. I'll fully no, acknowledge, I totally acknowledge exactly what I might what right. people want out of Star okay, Trek. Okay, but my point is in the context of what we've been going through here lately. It's a little bit of a step backward for me as a viewer. Like, eh, I could I could do without this one. I guarantee you this one's going to be left out. Like, if I have to whittle down season four, I promise you, rules of engagement will not have know, to, will not be on there. I because just cause I can like, cut this one like a, in, in a minute. Maybe. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not Why? sure because I mean, well, I mean that's your prerogative, st- and I'm not saying you're wrong to do that. Well, I mean, but I'm just saying I'm, I keep it. I'm for- not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not essential to the overall. Overall arc, if I were going to make disagree, Worf. It's yeah, and, Very and it deals the with the, yeah, I cur- guess, and the but, season is all about the Federation versus the Klingons and their uh, dispute, and I it deals with that. You, I, I could, I could probably. <laughs> what it does ultimately, I think. Okay, we we're gonna pack the scene. We're gonna push the scene back. But what I think it does is it makes Worf. It puts him outside of the basic conflict of am I Klingon or am I Federation. It puts him into a context of I don't care about any of that shit. You have to make right choices outside of that. Like you you made bad choices, be it a Klingon right. choice or a Federation choice. Right. And there was a series of human or a series of humanoid flaws that made you that drove that and and that's not acceptable at the next yeah. level and you need that's the capper that the last the scene level. puts on it. Yes. But I argue that the rest of the episode was even pretty good up until that point. That last scene just put it. I mean, I'm not arguing with you. Like it's the capper on that just makes it totally. Well, that's the thing is, that there's nothing bad about it. And what it takes is, it takes a what is by now a well-worn framework and improves upon it by being DS9. However, it's still not essential viewing for me personally. Like I, I appreciate it. And I don't think it's like, this is nowhere, this is, you know, it's not like, I don't feel contempt for this episode in the way that I did for like past tense. Sure, sure. Which where where I'm watching something that everybody <laughs> agrees is good and it's clearly not good, you know, <laughs> not to bring up, I mean, yeah, shit, but, but, but well, you know what I mean. <laughs> you just, you're that, just you, an old you, you get my man. point though. This is a, this is a good hour. This is a good hour of, of Star Trek. It is not essential viewing as far as I'm like, it's, okay. it's just, it's just fine. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. The, good sis, the, the Cisco stuff at the end is what really redeems it. I mean, cause I tell you what, if it, if all it was, was cause if this was a next generation episode, it, say, because it that's very what I'm saying. easily could have. Oh been. yeah. This, that's what I'm saying. This is like a classic, like this is, this would be a good next the show gen is over as soon as you get the third act reveal about yeah, the, yeah. what would the climax of this episode would be, the captain Picard uncovering the truth about the civilian ship. Right. And, and then it would just like, you know, cut, then, yeah, yeah. And cut then the stars like or whatever. And, and, and credits, 
But by being Deep Space Nine and being having a larger arc, that last 10 minutes has a reason to exist. Right. And then, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, okay. So, I think we're arguing a lot that the merit of this episode is in the back end of it. But I don't know. I, I think from the beginning when Ron Canada shows up as Chapak and he's like talking about, well, then we learn that Worf was commanding the Defiant because there was a civilian convoy near the Pentath system, which is uh, near the Cardassian border. And they were just, you know, shepherding the wagons, basically, to keep these raiders from taking it out of Seven. And then Worf stole a ship, and, but then he gets in a fight with Klingons. And then there was a, a freighter with 441 civilians on it that dropped out of cloak right in front of him, and he killed them. And so that's what he's on trial for. They ring the bell, classic Star Trek, you know, all that, st- which I like that stuff. This yeah, will that, come yeah. to order. Yeah, you know, and then, then Ron, Ron, uh, Chapak's stuff with Cisco. Cisco's like, where he's like, hey, look, man, what are you doing here? Like, was well, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Klingon, and I trust you guys. He's just, he's there to do battle. It's a courtroom battle, and that's what he's gets off on as a Klingon. And he's like, well, no, I'll just play along with you Federation roles, even if they're stupid, because you people with your burden of proof for the guilty and all, that's messy. But you know what? I can play this game. I can figure this stuff out. And I, I don't know. I like that. Stuff. I didn't hate it. I thought it was all. I mean, I think I think I, I, I didn't hate it. I, I just found it. I guess I found it tedious because I, I know just like I find any TV from the era where the main characters and like even as a kid, you're watching something you know nothing's bad is going to happen. You're just kind. Of, it's sort of like a, a puzzle that you got to unravel. Yeah, I like puzzles. I guess. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I mean, and then the the kind of like okay, and then they go into the court and they kind of argue that oh, and the guy's like oh, the facts of it. Like I trust you, Federation types, goody goodies. You don't ever lie or anything, so I'm not going to like dispute anybody's record what they're saying. And then and then Cisco's like, well, then what the fuck are we doing here? Just come on, let's call this let's call this a day and just let, let's go home. And it's like, no, 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 no. And then it kind of the whole court decision rests on the heart of Worf and whether or not he was charging into battle because they Chapak is arguing for extradition basically because it's like, oh, he was acting as a Klingon and not as a Federation type. So he was, as a Klingon, we can extradite him and try him on ourselves. And then Cisco's like, no, that's that's stupid. <laughs> no, that's not. And then, but he, the Klingons as well, as long as it's logical, I'll go along. I, it was a lot more deft in the scenes, <laughs> the argument and the logic than what I just put forward. But <laughs> uh, Well, yeah, it's it's pretty classic courtroom stuff with a little bit of Klingon spin to make it interesting. I guess, you know, you kind of want to look at the world building that's going on here. And what you unpack is the fact that the legal eagles of <laughs> of the Klingon culture uh, view their job as doing battle, which makes you wonder if everybody in every professional field feels like they're doing battle. Like if a Klingon doctor is fighting cancer, is he really doing battle with the cancer? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Cake. Is everything cake a baker? A baker is fuck, <laughs> yeah. like going me to and this cake. We're going cake into a battle. <laughs> That's right. Our, yeah. But I mean, and just as the Klingon culture is kind of this combative culture, but it, I felt like it fleshed it out. Like he's like, what are we doing here? And it's like, well, it's just goes like, well, we want to get to the truth of the matter. And he's, and the, the Klingon perspective is like, well, yeah, well, you have to fight for the truth. The truth must be won. 
I'll see you on the battlefield. Truth isn't objective. It's whoever wins. You know, like we fight. Yeah. Yeah. The truth isn't just going to sit there and be the truth. We have to fight for what the truth is going to be. Like, And, you know, in a certain context, that's a point of view that I could even agree with. If you're talking about the truth about what's right and wrong, that's a battle of almost a battle of uh, culture. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I I, I guess so. I, I mean, I, I admired, I liked, I liked everything about the Ron Canada character, and I liked the way he approached it. Uh, yeah, I, I found that kind of fun, and I did like seeing the Klingon. I do like it whenever you see Klingons. There's an a story arc in Enterprise that deals with Klingon doctors. Oh yeah, and I, so I like to see that the Klingons have a culture outside of like domination, and so that's fun to me to see that. And so I, I, I like that part of it. And mm-hmm. I, I liked, and I liked the actor quite a bit. And I liked that it was all of these sort of triad scenes between Cisco, Worf, and, and, and Ron yeah, Canada. Yeah. Those were, I thought were really, yeah, really kind of like, like juicy I scenes. Liked, and, uh, you know, the cheesy kind of like Rashomon, except not Rashomon. Cause it's, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, right. Yeah, had a Rashomon. Yeah, they're not, there's yeah. not different versions of the same scene. Or- LeVar Burton just got a copy of Rashomon on Laserdisc that, that week. Right, right. The criteria on Laserdisc. <laughs> Except instead of doing the same scene over and over again, it's like, well, we, yes. we don't have to do that. <laughs> Just do the fight thing. It's like the Battle of Tongvei. Yeah. And we learned the name of another, you know, Klingon warrior from history, Sopek, that they're doing the fight with the 10,000 warriors. And then uh, he's, he's, a, he's kind of sexist to, or speech racist or whatever to Jadzia, where he's like, Oh yeah, y'all fight all the time, and he just—he's nice. He goes easy on you, right? As a win's like no, and she's—you know—she's standing up. Like no, when we fight, we fight. Mm-hmm. You know, not as a woman or a trill. He doesn't. I don't let him go easy on me, and I give him some bruises sometimes. And and then the guys I, that that whole conversation though does. <laughs> she's like no, when we fight, we fight, and then she's like sometimes I get bruised. <laughs> like, so she, it was it was a little bit contradictory. I'm like, oh yeah, let's well, let's hear about it. Let's hear about what happens. Yeah, nothing too serious. Sometimes a cut or a bruise. I'm like, and, oh and shit, a few bruises here and there. Yeah, sometimes I give him a paper cut too. A broken finger once. It was that was that was a little. Come on, you guys got to that was a little silly. Nothing serious, and I've given him a few lumps of his yeah. own. I mean, it, it was because it was putting in a context where. I don't know why they went down that line to write it because to, for him to hold back on a human being, it means he's right. He'd right. have to like kill or, you like, or stab you or something. There's no well, scenes where she's like they're rushing her to Julian because well, he's that, broken her jaw or something. Yeah, I, like that. Well, I mean, then that just makes her weak. And they, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to their credit, they're not trying to show. They're trying to show that she's a near equal to him in, in combat. I, I understand that, but you could say that you know he he crushed my like I crushed his sternum once yeah. and yeah they and could do one time than... he, he caved my face in, but it was all yeah. it was all fine. No, nothing more than an afternoon in sick bay. Right. That's what you do to fix that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't go when we fight, we fight, and sometimes I get cut. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> that was pretty. All right, I'll give you that one. <laughs> Well, I I really that was that was really the only silly like there was yeah, nothing yeah. silly about it. I mean, even even the faux Rashomon stuff, the stuff with Quark, whenever he got to tell yeah, his yeah. story, yeah. and he was well, getting I mean, on Rock Canada's the, nerves. Yeah, the main thing with the Jadzio yeah. one is in, when he's like, oh yeah, and then that simulation, Sopek kills all the 
children and the whole he raises he's old goes old testament on the town and kills everybody right. and she's like well it's not the same thing and it's like well all right but that's like point one that he makes and then the cork one is pretty great too yeah mm-hmm. still a little fucked up that he would run that as a fun thing to do yeah he's klingon man that's that's like yeah he's klingon um, that's, yeah. I, that's, that's yeah, they are. Then, yeah the cork one's funny where it's like Bashir was talking to etheria no glidia no uh midia no, it was Rolidia. No, yeah, they were it was having Clint- fun with they were having fun with the <laughs> the motif. Right. You know? uh, no, no, it was yeah. Morn with Chlamydia. No. Um. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a, that was fun. They actually got this idea, this whole little smarty pants idea, um, from I guess Iris Stephen Bear mm-hmm. went to go see Clockers, the uh, oh Spike God. Lee Richard Price movie. It's a Spike Lee joint. That's pretty great. Yeah, it's a Spike Lee joint, and there's a scene where Harvey Keitel's having a dream sequence or a flashback, and he's having it to the camera, which they also do in Reservoir Dogs. But nonetheless, I don't want to say Spike Lee rips off Tarantino because <laughs> yeah, he will come at you, man. Because I think that means <laughs> I think he will come at me like a motherfucker. But yeah, and so Iris Stephen Bear made Ronald D. Moore write that in yeah. the script. Which, I mean, it works. They use it again later to better effect. Uh, uh, oh, yes, they do. The talking to the script. Yes, thing. they do. To, like, almost famous. Like, that's a famous episode. Yeah, yeah famously, yeah, yeah, yeah. The most famous scene in uh, Deep Space well, Nine. Except that's two or a quarter. But, uh, what, yeah, well, yeah, well, but, yeah, yeah, but you know what we're talking at, about. He's looking at the camera. We won't talk about it no more. Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought War, I thought Bashir was dating uh, Lita at this point, but... Uh, Apparently, he's just dating all of the girls. He just... He just likes girls from the uh-huh. from the bar. That's just the kind of guy he yeah, well, is. Well, he's man. just talk- well. Relidia wasn't even with them. She was with Morn, so who knows? That makes her sound like she's Relidia, the tattooed lady. Yeah, <laughs> she probably she, maybe she is. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> she's got eyes that men adore. So, no, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Worf doesn't share with his bartender. Yeah, I. This is one of the. I mean, but I do think I, I like going through these ep- these scenes and remembering these scenes. It does feel more like i guess what he like going on what Hugh's saying it feels like it's on rails like you're like okay so each one of the cross-examinations is going to fail him and they keep pushing yeah odo yeah, there's all these scenes with odo to find something weird about the manifest find something weird about the manifest of the people that were on he's there he's doing opposition eventually type shit yeah oh yeah yes. that was my thing that that's what that's one note i put it down i was like Oh, and early on, Cisco's like, "Oh yeah, Odo, get your contacts." I understand he's got contacts everywhere. I guess I, the Klingons, I guess. Yeah, how did he get touch with? How did he get Klingon contacts? Is what I want to know. Cardassian makes sense to me. Starfleet. I mean, I guess he just got contacts everywhere. That's his whole thing. But like, but he worked with Cardassians for years. That yeah, makes so sense. that makes a lot of he's sense. He's worked with Bajorans for years. That makes sense. He, Federation. It's been enough time since by the time he's got Federation. Yeah, and, and so, yeah. but when did he make all these Klingon contacts? Don't know. I guess maybe just through Quark. Maybe keeping up tabs with Quark with the Duras sisters and stuff. That's possible. I and and I mean, like they may. I mean, they came through a lot. There was a lot of Klingons. Yeah, yeah they were okay. regular customers, and, or you know, they used Deep Space Nine on the rig. That's true. Okay, I'll let it slide. Yeah. So but you're right. I mean, it would make sense for him to have like if all of a sudden he pops up with Romulan contacts. That's weird, you know. Or you know, I mean, Bajoran and Cardassian. Right, right, right. That's, yeah. It's not one thing. One thing we know for sure about Odo is not he doesn't get around much. I mean, he was discovered and and taken to Bajor, then right. when, yeah, yeah. then he worked on the station. So it's not like he did a lot of 
he had years where he was traveling or whatever. Right. How he gathered all these friendships is weird to me because he and him and him and and Worf's like bonding experience is that they hate people, you know, like it's like, oh yeah, oh I hate socializing. Yeah. Like, but well, oh, I, I think friends. friend is he has a lot of professional respect, I guess is when I he has a lot of yeah, yeah. a lot of uh a lot of that going on. Yeah. Okay. Y'all have convinced me it's all right. Well, I see your point though. I don't think you're not wrong. Yeah. 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 And I like that, you know, Odo's whole thing, like when he's going with Cisco, is like, oh, are you getting information? He's like, oh, yeah. Everybody's way too willing to talk to me. And, you know, that's why it doesn't add up. Yeah. Because I'm always, I'm always suspicious of anyone that's eager, that's eager to help a police officer. It's like, all right. Yeah. That checks Mm. out. Yeah. That does make, I like that, that he's, you know, that there's all of these sort of, you know, there, there's a general feeling that the fix is in. Right. That there's something going on here. Yeah, and it is pretty. And they're going to come in at the last I minute. mean, I guess that's, especially nowadays, we expect all our TV shows to throw these, like, big hooks at you, even in, throughout the middle of the episode breaks and stuff. Like, I'm sure, you know, Discovery's doing that right now, but this was, it was a different time, but, I mean, our whole show is predicated that it's, the show is different than the others. Yeah, that that is the, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you can justify it as it was a TV show, you know, in the 90s. Right, right. But, um, yeah, no, and, and and that's, I get it, you know, so I'm not like, I don't, I don't feel like, yeah. like I said, I, I like this episode for things that happened near the end. There's nothing in the front that's a deal right. breaker. But there's nothing in front that I think is particularly wowing yeah. to then, me. Yeah, the O'Brien scene is. Yeah, the O'Brien thing I like. Yeah, like. Because I think O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. Cool. They, I mean, they they name check how bad much of a badass he is. Like, he gives the story of what happened with the old battle cruiser and the bird of prey attacking the convoy, playing tag team with a defiance, and then everybody's. But then, yeah, Chapak is like, "Oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, oh. Let me let me get this right, Mister uh, Chief. There, you've been in service like twenty two years. How many uh, combat engagements have you been in?" He's like, "Oh, I don't know, a hundred, hundred and fifty. And there's like. Nope, you've been in 235. So how many does that break down and by year? You've been dec- yeah. Uh, I was going to say, what constitutes a... Well, he was in the Cardi War, so that's probably when the... the, the sorry for the slur. The Kardashian yeah, easy, War. Easy. There and then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess, like, did he did he land at the Cardassian Guadalcanal? <laughs> and up to yeah, like, I think I don't he did. Know, like, how, like, <laughs> Are you in the shit? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and then, and they, you know, like, how many ever episodes of uh, Enterprise where he was on where they actually shot a phaser? That's true. Is it every time that the ship was fired upon and that counts as a battle it's sequence? Because I don't even know if there was there was probably not a hundred episodes of Deep Sp- or of New- Next Generation with Cole Meany in well, it. But he was always understood to be so. there. But well, he was. Sure. But most of it was probably back in his Rambo times that they never talked about on TNG but allude to all over over and over again on DS9. Yeah. But like he was he was in the war. That's where he got started as an enlisted man, you know. Yes. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. That, yeah, it does. And, and and I like anything that builds him up as badass. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and stuff and, like you know, that. he's like and then Chapak is like, "Well, would you have done what Dwarf did?" And he's like, "I don't know, man. I can't that he was a superior officer, man. I don't, I can't say what I would have done. Things look different when you're sitting in that chair. I do think if I was going to make a minor quibble, I would think that, I guess, like, you know, because we, I don't know, how this tasteful to bring this up, but it's sort of the blue shield sort of concept of, like, 
cops never rat on cops. They don't ever say anything bad about a cop ever. Sure, sure. And I think that even though this is an enlightened time and all of that kind of stuff, I think that Colmini would still. You would think he would instinctively be. I don't know if he would have said on a. I think he would have towed the line. Well, he did. He would have said that. Well, he said, no, I wouldn't have fired on it. But, 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 but it's whatever, right. you know, but no one listens to the but. It, they listen sure, to you sure. saying, but, I mean, the I think fired that's on. just they're further pointing out that point of pride that the Federation never lie, you know, and it's like, and that we're evolved humanity. And it's almost like. It's not really a how lie, though. It's more of a contextual well, thing. But. Yeah, but the guy straight out it's like you have to give me a yes or no answer and or be held content it's what he would go on to argue i guess and he's like well okay fine and and you know what and then watching it during the episode you're kind of like oh let's come on o'brien yeah you're right mate why are you sure that you wouldn't have done what Worf did but then by the capper at the end of the episode we know that yeah he probably wouldn't have because he's been i don't know <laughs> he knows his shit yeah yeah I liked it. I guess that what I liked about it, there was two reasons why I would, they they had Colmini say that because it deepened the jeopardy that Worf was in. Yeah. Worf was under, but because it was another sort of lifeline thrown thrown away. But I think I would have liked to have seen the blue shield aspect of it, and then at the end when because at no point. Is there anything that Cisco does that makes you think that Cisco disapproved of Worf's actions? Right. Well, because he's a good advocate, and it, it, because he's an advocate, and it would have been nice to have seen like the 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 you know the the comfort that all of Deep Space Nine stood behind Worf's decision making up until that end. Yeah. And then it could have been a little bit bigger, but but the idea that you already you 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 softened it a little right by having O'Brien say what he said. Right. And, and and I don't want to live. I, I don't want the future. I mean, you know, Deep Space Nine breaks the utopian or whatever all the time. But I don't want the Federation mm-hmm. to have the blue, blue shield. shield going I, on. I, I agree because it's a, you know we agree that it's a fucked up thing with the way a lot of cops kind of can. There's you know yeah. Not that all cops are bad. Yes, most are. Most. Oh come on now. <laughs> We could we could say they are, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, as, as someone who's been arrested before, I hate cops. I'll say that much. Well, I had uh, our, this is off topic, but yeah, we had to have the cop conversation at our DSA rules <laughs> meeting yesterday, and it was like forever. And I was like, oh my god, I just want to get out of this conversation. <laughs> like, but yeah, by the by the end, I was like, oh, there's this this is wearing me down, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and so I don't. But I I think. I don't know. I, I think that it's it, it's loyalty is an admirable trait. Yeah. I guess there's loyalty to a fault. You're probably right. It's one or the other. But I, I don't know. If, but one makes one makes for more interesting TV. Yes, that. And I think that I could say that I don't know if Colmini would allow himself to question the decisions of a superior. Yeah, that's kind of where. In he's... that tiggy tack, like they're not like massacring people. That I mean, they they did. But that wasn't like it was like a, it was clearly a split second decision. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, we saw. And yeah, it was. Well, yeah, yeah, and and that was the. It was a split second decision, the way they sort of did it, the way they laid it out. So I, I don't know if I would, you know, I, I think that the judgment coming so harshly from Cisco at the end was 
anything that props up that last scene, I'm going to say yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a better it's to the better to the episode. So. You know, I don't I don't play a lot of video games, so this could be a thing that is actually in video games. But I, I do play the Breath of the Wild Legend of Zelda. And if <laughs> when I'm in, like in the middle of fighting a, a bad guy in that a civilian could pop up and get hurt, that would fuck me up quite a bit. Like just even if even though it's just a game, do you know what I mean? Like like they don't have. <laughs> yeah, that's not how most people play. Mm-hmm. Like Grand Theft Auto, well, for instance. Do, <laughs> like, do yeah. they have that in in other video? Like I don't know. Like I guess modern video games. Do they have civilians that can get hurt? Oh yeah. Well, if we want to get all uh, Anita Sarkeesian on it, let's talk about killing hookers. <laughs> like uh, yeah, there's a lot of yeah yeah that's a big thing. I mean, but you're saying, are, is there any that uh, other than having your own it? like virtual grief over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, a lot of them don't. They'll throw the, like, well, you can do whatever you want, the moral implications on you to feel bad about, but then the game kind of incentivizes having fun and just killing everybody. There's a lot of games Yeah, like that. see, that's that's fucked up to me. SJW. Yeah, well, that's kind of why that Hollow Suite battle, where, where yeah. he, Battle of Tongvei, where he, he, yeah, Worf is playing it right and he kills everybody at the end and that kind of right. disturbs you where it's like yeah and then Jesse is like he's just playing Grand Theft Auto man just chill out it's not right the that's same what thing. that's her defense it's a simulation right. yeah and then they have another like Cisco goes up to Chipak again is like hey and Chipak is like hey you know I'm gonna win this right so you might as well just let me take Worf how is that earth there's a nurse saying as you humans say the icing on the cake yeah and then, I don't know just it, it's Cisco it's like Cisco is just like don't eat that shit cake I don't eat it that like, was another thing I that was another thing that I thought was maybe a flaw in the script is how how devious like how openly devious Ron Canada's character was by always going like, "Hey, hey, we're gonna. This is this child's gonna fuck up the whole federation." Oh yeah. Like if he had kept it and like saved it for a later scene, and that's when uh, and Cisco. Uh, God, I hate to quote the West Wing here, but there's a scene where, <laughs> yeah, I hate the, that. The, the, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen says uh, says to a character, "By the way, that thing you just said to me. That's when I decided to kick your ass." <laughs> Like, that's when I decided that I'm going to shred you in, like, the election or whatever. And that would have been a nice Cisco moment where he goes, you know, what? I, I thought you were a, I thought you were an advocate on the level, but you're just a, like... Yeah, yeah. You're just a devious fucker, and I'm going to, and I, I'm going to show you how a devious fucker works. Yeah. Because he actually, he does that little thing where, like, you've stepped onto my battlefield now. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a little, so he's not beyond taunting. Right. So... Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think, I guess just because... He's so great that I just loved it the whole time, like him just being... And te- it was enjoyable to watch him say things, yeah. Yeah, but you're right. If just structurally they kind of made it to where he's just being like, I'm being a good Klingon and re- and standing up for these Klingons and blah, blah, and just trying to do the right thing, where at the, from the beginning he's playing like, hey, I'm a lawyer. I don't give a fuck about r- right and wrong. I just want to win, which is a trope in the thing, you know, which is I see I see how they just went there and stuck with that. But if they were like... Wasn't that the premise of Allie McBeal? I don't know. All I know about Allie McBeal is Dancing Baby and she married Harrison Ford. <laughs> Wait, what was the premise of... What was the premise of... The winning Ellie? at all costs, no matter if you're right or wrong. Oh, it yeah. was a joke. It was a oh, feeble... Yeah. It was a feeble Allie McBeal joke. Yeah. Oh. So... Oh, oh yeah. uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> feeble as her, as, her, as her arms. Well, I mean, I'm just saying there's more... There are more, like lawyer shows with a lot more teeth than Ally McBeal. Like, Ally McBeal is a light show, so <laughs> sure. that was the yeah, nature sure, of yes. my joke. <laughs> anyway, it's always fun to hear somebody explain explain their joke for 
a while, so <laughs> right. That's that's what we're here for. Let's, we're gonna start a new podcast. It's called Jokes I think, Explained. I think they actually have something. First like episodes that. on the aristocrats. It's called oh, like is it like butcher or dissecting the frog or something, something like that. Yeah, I only listened to the Paul F. Tompkins episode. No. <laughs> Uh, uh, so anyways, they put Worf on the tr- stand and Chapat kind of eggs him on. He's like, you know, oh, oh, you were excited. You wanted to go out there and kill a bunch of Klingons because you wanted revenge because he talks about his family. He's like, oh, because you're pissed at the Klingons for what they did to you by, you know, kicking out your family and everything. He's like, you angry? You angry? He's like, no, I'm not angry. You're angry. Aren't you? <laughs> you, trig- you triggered, <laughs> yeah, right. you triggered, you little SJW. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your son's got to carry that stigma around. It's like, it's like, yeah, bringing Alexander into this with some cold shit. Wasn't it? I'm sorry, I can't hear. I can't hear you with all your autistic screeching. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's that, yeah, that's what okay. the that's what the Nazis say to James on his videos. <laughs> yeah, that's what I get on on, on YouTube. All right. Yeah. So basically, he did. He triggered right. triggered Warf. Warf punches him in the face. Well, but before then, he he gets more into the uh, what it means to be a Klingon stuff that I liked a lot too. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, did you feel bad for the killing all those civilians? Because there's a civilian ship that you killed. Do you weep for? Do you weep for them? Are you gonna cry? You you cry for them? It's like, no, I grieve for them. It's like, and then he's all grieve. A Klingon does not grieve. They died in glorious battle. They do not want your grief. You dishonor their memories. They don't want your grief, you little... You're, you're a shit Klingon. That's what you are. <laughs> They're in Stovacor because they died in battle, even if it was your punk ass that killed them. It's pretty great. that he, you, could, you could box him in on two levels. If he, yeah, if he shows remorse, then he's not Klingon enough, and you can punch him in the face for that. Yeah. And if he shows no remorse, then you can say he's like a Klingon-y, like... Remorse yeah, you are like a, uh, a, I'm trying to remember a good uh, Galron. You are like a, uh, but I can't remember this quote. Yeah, <laughs> you have no honor. I fear nothing. And then I'll put you both in contempt. And then it's like, what? What did Worf and do? I, my favorite part was uh, when he says to Worf, "And what? What do you think Alexander's going through?" And Worf said, "Who?" <laughs> <laughs> remember from the beginning of the episode when that dream sequence where every dead body was his? Oh yeah, that guy. That was that was there. That was there to remind you, just so that you would remember that Alexander is a person that exists. Because yeah. you got to tell your little son what a coward you are. <laughs> and then we get the best. I'm sorry that I jumped up all in your dick when you were about to talk about the punch and everything. But we get the best. Wharf, no. It's nice to have someone jump on me. What? Oh yeah, yeah. The best, the greatest of all. Wharf, no. I laugh for like ten minutes because we've been saying this for a while, and I don't think that we usually meant that it was specifically Wharf, no. Like it was some form of Wharf, don't or Worf, stop it, yeah. Wharf or something like that. But he legitimately says Wharf, no. Wharf, no. There's got to be a YouTube supercut somewhere, right? <laughs> And then after he does it, like, <laughs> oh, just Cisco's Avery Brooks's nonverbal acting this whole episode is great. Where there's a thing where he does where he just does his, throws his hands up. But after the Worf, no. And then he punches the guy and then he just like rolls his eyes. It's like, it's like oh, Worf. Like, I want to see a cut on YouTube of that with just like some sitcom, like, laugh track behind it. <laughs> with, with the Yeah. So, do I guess this is a point where I would say that, hey, first off, Avery, Avery Brooks being a bit of a shit lawyer for, for his client. Like, why am I supposed to think through the course of this episode that he's like Ace Phoenix or something? Like, I don't. It, like, did he go to law school? 
And well, then no, you, you just get... take for granted that the, that the ranking officer on any sort of ship or vessel is your lawyer. Yeah. But it's Perry yeah, Mason. It's well, Perry go, Mason. Go, if you're a captain, yeah, this goes back to... Perk, yeah. Kirk and Spock, yeah, yeah. I know, but is there not... I guess that's... that's star... is some... Okay, but is there not a JAG Corps for there the... There is, Star-Fleet? actually. There is. But this was an extradition case, so it's not a legal case in the sense that... It's not a criminal... Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. But yeah. there is, yeah. there is, there's a special, there's the Federation special advocate, something like that. You know, there is, they've, they've made appearances in other, other episodes of Next Generation and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My whole thing when he, when he attacks a guy, it's like, oh, oh, you wouldn't attack anybody that's on unarmed un, unless you get angry and not unless you have something to prove. And it's like, but you were both unarmed, so like it wasn't that bad. Like Chapak is like t- saying, "Worf is like, oh, how dare you attack me when I'm unarmed?" It's like, well, you're both throwing punches. You could fight back. Don't be such a bad Klingon and just take it. Like, but on the field of legal battle, well, yeah, but it's the to, to the to the. But that's he wasn't trying to convince Galron that yeah, like yeah. that. Worf was shitty. He was trying to convince this Vulcan lady, Admiral Talara. Oh, uh, oh, Ron Can- Canada's Klingon didn't have purple blood as much. I know, this- I saw that. Oh, continuity error. Well, maybe that's explained by the five fifteen tribes of Klingon and the Discovery. One of them has blue blood. One of them has purple yeah, blood. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that <laughs> they have blood according to their lightsabers. Their <laughs> lightsabers have like lights coating to their. But no, um, you mean. Sorry, you mean the black guy doesn't uh, have purple blood? That's not like Jedi at all. The bl- <laughs> okay, so let's get this let's get to this last scene. Okay, yeah. Worf is acquitted because of some shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, shenanigans. Then uh, Cisco has the oh, would you like to step on my battlefield, bitch? Like when uh, he he has the two iPads and he's like, and the guy's like, hey, okay, because because Admiral Talara won't compel the guy to, you know, do anything he doesn't want to. But like step on my battlefield. There's and I still I still do like that they, they were they were smart enough to have pads. Yeah. But they weren't smart enough to realize that they could hold multiple files <laughs> right. on each pad. Right. So they have to bring in two iPad to make this little point, which is cute to me. But anyway, yeah. I keep going. But the there was another ship like three months ago that crashed and it's got all the same names as the four hundred and forty one. It's the same names and the captain that somehow miraculously crashed but they didn't confirm the deaths and miraculously they're on another ship and it's the same ship and they they fudged it and so that's nobody actually died so that was the smoke and mirrors that the klingons were pulling yeah the bullshit they were pulling shenanigans yeah yeah and then as like and but like i like that whole you talk about cisco being a bad lawyer I thought that was a great lawyer scene for Cisco where he's like, well, wouldn't it be a coincidence? Don't you admit that it is possible that, that this could be this? Is- well, he was being a good lawyer because he had sound evidence. Right, but right. he was not being a good lawyer when he let the other attorney provoke him, like <laughs> basically call him like a little homie gay ass and then like make sure, him punch sure. him. Like that was not being a good advocate. Even though like even like the, the Vulcan lady was like, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will hold you both in contempt. And it's like, what? the wharf's not doing well. Yeah. But and then he's like, oh, what 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 kind of fate led to uh, you know, and then Chapak says, fate is a human concept. It's like, uh, I, I seem to think 
recall a lot of Klingons talking about fate, like being fated. I was actually thought that too. I was like, aren't you guys driven by fate? <laughs> right? Oh yeah. I didn't even pick up on that. That's some nonsense right there. Yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. me advisor. Isn't, isn't it possible? It's like, and then he has to, is, is it possible? It's like, yes. And yeah, whatever. And so they win the day and everybody's, everybody's happy. They're having a party. Oh, Brian and Bashir are throwing a party at court, <laughs> but Worf doesn't want to go. Yeah. And so then Cisco walks in and just fucking levels him. <laughs> and such a great scene where he allows Worf to say that, like, Worf, uh, he realized over the course of the thing that he, that everything that Ron Canada was saying was basically right. That he was I, yeah. worked up. I did have something to prove. Uh, and and all I wanted was a reason to attack him and or, or finally I finally had a chance for vengeance. Yeah, yeah. That he yeah, so he got worked up and that clouded his judgment. And then Cisco's like, Yeah, that was your first problem. What was your second problem? And yeah, like he yeah, was he shouldn't have taken the he shouldn't have even taken the command. Yeah. It's like, yes, that was my first That was your first mistake. What was your second? Well, you shouldn't have taken the command and that you and that a Starfleet never fires unless they're certain. Yeah, that was the second that what was your second mistake? Even yeah. if that means they're dead. Yeah, even if that means they're dead. Yeah, damned right. And, and so, yeah, so that was Even if it was a military decision to protect the crew, but you're a Starfleet, we don't put civilians at risk and yeah. And and sometimes that means we lose the battle, sometimes it means we lose our lives, but if you can't take <laughs> that chance, then you can't wear that uniform cuz he's a big yeah, wear yeah. that uniform guy. It's big to Cisco. Yes, yes. And then basically, you know, his, he comes down to going that you're making these horrible decisions and you need to fucking fix that because you are, you know, you were about you were about ready for command. Yeah, you're like you're luckily there's no harm done or else you'd be fucked. Yeah. But you know what? This is a learning experience. Oh, yeah. And then Worf's, yeah. And Worf says it doesn't feel that way. And he goes, that's why you're, that's why you are ready. You are on your way to being ready for being a captain. Yeah. And so, so come to this fucking party. Because all right? he's like, oh, I don't want to go to the party. Is it the show? Is it like, the show yeah. that Michael the Dorn wants for to, you. wants to uh, get off the ground all these years called Captain Worf? Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like he's no. We, we've talked about this phenomenon, right? Oh no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like well, Michael so, Dorn's always trying to get the show actually called Captain Worf Greenlit. That's why he needs to call me, and me and him will work together on my concept of Emperor Worf, where it's like him at an old age, like a hundred years from this from the Dominion War, and and he's uh, he's the Emperor of Kronos, and he's old. And and right and and there's palace intrigue. There's palace intrigue, and it's about like the lion in winter facing the young Turks trying to take over his command. I, I got this whole thing worked out. <laughs> and and um and, e. and Alexander B. dies in the first scene, so I don't have to uh, deal with him. And and Dax is basically E. B. Farnum from Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not this. Okay, my my theory was is that Dax or Charlie Audrey. Dax would be a advisor. Dax would be a male advisor who. Uh, who's who's fallen again in love with Worf, but like as a man. So he's Charlie Utter then. And so <laughs> he's like, "Come on, listen here, Wild Bill." Uh, is your is your feeling like uh, that Charlie Utter wants to sleep with no, Wild Bill Hickok? No, no, but he's he loves the guy and he's trying to look out for him. Yes, it's a love relationship. I guess that would be that, but it would. Uh, but I think that it would be a relationship that every all of the other Klingons are are grossed out about because I'm going to assume the Klingons aren't cool with gay stuff. All right, so so make them somewhere between uh, Charlie Utter and Calamity Jane. 
She wants to fuck him. Yes, <laughs> calamity Jane, but not I, the, not a fucking mess. <laughs> like yes, I bet I bet there is there is somebody out there who can make the case that the Klingons are in fact the most gay. Oh, and like a Spartan, <laughs> make a make a Spartan claim for oh, yeah. Him. That when you're out, yeah, why not? Maybe yeah. I, I, like I that line was oh, what man. when you're out there in the battle and you get your all worked up and you want to have sex, but they're all dudes. I hope you got it. You make one do with what you have or something. I hope like by the that. time this episode airs, this Star Trek Discovery has had some gay Klingons, some pretty some gay Klingons, because because it would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'm on board with, with that. I mean, they're already got Lieutenant Stamets and uh, Wilson Cruz his character. So, well, yeah, let's let's mirror that and show the mm-hmm. Klingons. Can and the, another thing that I want to would would, would uh, a reason to do Emperor Worf is that the war the a lifetime sh- a lifetime shouldn't go by without Michael K. Williams playing a Klingon. That's a good point. And I really do think that that would be something amazing. And so. I want to see yeah. that happen. Oh, but I guess we should close this out with, I mean, well, we finished the episode we're talking about here because I want to talk a whole episode yeah. or two or series about this Emperor Wharf shit. Uh, but <laughs> I want to yeah. be, yeah, no. But, okay. um, yeah, it's, uh, Worf is like, oh, I don't want to go to the party. And then Cisco's like, oh, this party isn't for you. You put your fucking smile on because part of being a captain is knowing when, you, when to smile. Yeah. It's like those people, like those old people. Well, I say I don't want a funeral mm-hmm. when they're dying. And you're like, well, fuck you. Like, yes. You don't have to go to it. <laughs> like, this isn't for you. It's weird when there's not a funeral. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. Like, culturally, should, I, I, I don't know. What I, to I tell agree you. with you. But the, the I don't want a funeral, I want a party. That I can get behind. Oh, no. I I need yeah, yeah. something. I want a something. I don't mean there has to be something stiffy yeah, shit yeah. in the church. I'm just saying, like, the concept that, like, I just put me in a cardboard box and put me in the grant, like the Livia Soprano <laughs> shit. You know, I'm like, yeah, no, that's she wants to do that so everybody else is miserable. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. But yeah. Worf then, sorry. And then Worf finally is like, life is more complicated in this red uniform. Yeah. Wait till you get the fourth pip. Yeah. You'll <laughs> wish you were doing botany. It's like, oh man, why you got to throw Keiko under the bus? Because <laughs> <laughs> those fucking lazy bitches that do botany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah um yeah i think is that, is that all we got well i just i wanted to say that i think that that is yeah. um we have gotten farther away even though we've seen jake a couple of times this season we've gotten further away from cisco as a dad uh-huh. because we've started giving cisco like badass like captain shit and so we've gotten away from that so i felt like this was a scene where this is where you get to see Cisco like that that nurturing maternal like there's a like the whole there's a whole theory that reason that people love Picard like fan bases the fan base loves Picard so much is because he's whether you had a good father or a bad father Picard's a pretty good father replacement yeah like unit right. yeah yeah totally and and uh, and you haven't seen that from Cisco and they've started doing that this season because he's just now captain right. But, um, and this was one of those where, like, I felt like that was dad. Yeah. And we haven't had that in a while. And it was dad to a character who, in a lot of ways, it clearly cements what I was saying earlier this season, that Worf is now the Riker of the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And no no offense to Nana Visitor, but I mean, like, he's the Riker of the show. He's the next generation of Federation soldiers that you're supposed, or Federation captains that you're supposed to look to. 
Yeah. And it's fun to watch that. It, it's satisfying. It's it's why I watch the show. And it, it redeemed this episode for me. But yes, it, it was exciting. Yeah. Where do you guys put this on your rewatch meter? Higher than you, it sounds like. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm Mr. Middle. I'll, I'll want to like, I'll, I'll see what you guys say first. Uh, oh, I tell you where I'll, I'll put it like at a two. Yikes. Like if I'm flipping around and that last 10 minutes is on, I'll stop to watch that. But I don't think I'll ever consciously try to watch this episode. Yeah. Well, if I'm flipping around like everybody does nowadays, um, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I don't Oh, this one. I don't need to have watched the one before. I'm going to watch this one. You know, yeah. so I'd give it and, and honestly, maybe I wouldn't have put it as high as some of the ones that it might not be one that immediately comes to my mind when I'm thinking about the show. So maybe it won't be as high on my re- watch meter for that reason. So I'd give it a seven point or if we're doing just straight numbers, I guess I'll give it a seven. All right. Yeah. I was going to give it a six. <laughs> I felt like you like, I All felt right, like I'll- you wrote so much harder for it than I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I ended up giving it a six. I, I, I found it a pleasurable. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I wasn't enough to most watch. of this fourth season is because this is spoilers. I know arguably the best season of the show. So a lot of these ones are going to be high. on. Yeah, no, I, I think so, too. And I, I mean, I'm going to say that I I think the more interesting question is, does this I mean, because it's episode 17. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. We're about we're about it's right. the time to start thinking white album in your head. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. This one's going to be tough. Like, I, I, well, uh, yeah, wait. I mean, because I think something pivotal happens, but I think a bunch of like uh, something pivotal happens in a lot of these episodes. Yeah, right, right. You know, so you can look around. We're probably, what was last week's? I don't even I can't remember. remember. We did it like two <laughs> days ago. But anyway, that, that was, I, I remember thinking that's probably on my list. And then like next week's probably going to be on my list. So like you, you, you start running out of room. I mean, they can't all be little green men and oh, yeah. my, my, my agent Bashir. Yeah, my last man week Bashir. was a Bajor episode. That's why I couldn't remember it. Uh, I said, uh, oh yeah, but I did <laughs> like it. I didn't, I write hard for that mm-hmm, one though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that one. I did like it. We, we liked the Bajor episodes more than IMDB at large. But I'm going to say that I'm going <laughs> to say, most people that, do. I'm going to say though, in this next section, which I assume we're going to, uh, in the, Guess the ranking. I bet it ranks pretty high. Yes. Yeah. I bet it ranks. You go ahead and guess if you want. I think it ranks. I bet it does rank high because it's like a pretty. It's a class. This is like could be a a TNG episode, and that's what fan favorite characters. It's. It feels like it's weighty. Yeah. I'm gonna guess it's eight. I'm gonna put eight. Can I guess the same thing as you? You got to it before me. Has that ever happened? I'm sorry. No, it's it's fine. It's no. I'm not complaining. Dude, I'm, compl- I'm not complaining. Eat? I was like, good on you for getting ahead of my over talking ass. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, thank the good good on you for not letting me talk over you. That's what I'm saying. So you give it an eight because I want to give it. A, I'll, I mean, I'll I'll lowball it. I'll do prices right rules and give it as. Well, no, I'll go a little bit for se- seven point yeah, seven point eight. We'll do that. Uh, this one's got six hundred and eighty three votes. Which is a little bit of above above average, actually, but surprisingly enough, it's a seven point two. All right, we were off on that one. Yeah, yep. I don't think it's. I think it's just kind of like another Star Trek trial episode for folks. Yes. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. it is. Which are, but it's successful. You know, it's I a mean, good one, but yeah, it, yeah, it's not a bad trial episode. That's the my 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 favorite moment in Next Generation of all of the moments of Next Generation. My favorite moment of Next Generation is Data saying. Like that defiantly, but almost like forlornly. 
I've made love to a woman <laughs> like sitting oh, yeah, in that trial that's... stand. And I was like, that was like, you know, cause you're like, first off, you're like, Oh, I totally forgot that happened. And the other one was like, Oh, that is like, that's like, pathos, <laughs> yeah. like man, I have, you know? I never forgot that happened. <laughs> cause when it did, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that <laughs> is like, some oh, formidable stuff right there. He boys. Tasha Yar. What? He did. He yeah. Tasha Yar. <laughs> that lucky son of a bitch. All right. Well, on that note, we will now move on to oh, voicemails right. and emails. Oh, but next week, next week, uh, O'Brien oh. must oh, suffer yes, next yes. week. Oh, yes. It, oh, it's he the, hard. It is the O'Brien must suffer. <laughs> he suffers yeah. hard. Yes. It's okay. called hard time, right? Okay. <laughs> yes, hard time next week. All right. Well, let's see. Open up the mailbag and go go uh, listen to our voicemails and emails. All right. All right. If you're a Starfleet officer, Worf. We don't put civilians at risk or even potentially at risk to save ourselves. Sometimes that means we lose the battle and sometimes our lives. But if you can't make that choice, then you can't wear that uniform. Yes, sir. At ease, Commander. All right. Hey, and welcome to the voicemail and uh, emails and whatnot section of the rules of acquisition. Right? Yes. Yeah, that is what we are. That's it. That's us. Yeah, that's it. Okay, let's just jump into it. (laughs) These phone calls aren't aren't really Vogue. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good afternoon, acquirers. This is Tom from Cleveland. Um, Calling to vent about a pet peeve of mine and post ascension seems to be the best time to do that. I'm sorry, but I think Bajoran's not the worst race slash planet in the entire history of Star Trek. I swear, I'm not a person of faith myself, but as the one race and or planet in the Star Trek universe that really has any kind of faith-based system, they are pathetic. They go, first off, nobody, they'll let anybody run their planet. You know, a guy, you know, one morning somebody comes out, of a new guy comes out of the space hole and tells them all to change their way of life. And they're, they, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Kira, strong, independent woman, ton of volition on her own. Just, okay, yeah, now I do this now, I guess. One dude straight up murders somebody. Um, nobody who runs their planet ever wants to run their planet. They're all forced into <laughs> it. Uh, they go any way the wind blows. Uh, they don't do anything on their own without consulting the orb or consulting the prophets or consulting the sacred, sacred text. It's, again, it's if if you were a person of faith, it would be an offensive portrayal. Uh, really, I just you know I I'm I'm woke. I understand that imperialism is wrong and the Cardassians are bad, but I really just get the idea that first contact was probably Cardassians landing on the planet and the Bajorans walking up to them and being like, "Hey guys, we just uh, we've already organized ourselves in the labor camps and have begun treating ourselves roughly." <laughs> If you need anything, let us know. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, they are the least pun Star Trek uh, group of characters. Which is a shame because Kira is a phenomenal character and she seems to be the only one on the planet who shows any volition. And again, she gets broken up with her boyfriend, spoiler alert, because he went to a monastery and they, he told her that the uh, prophet said that they are not destined to walk a path together. And then dumps her. Ah, that's unfortunate. Anyway, got that off my chest. 
Thank you. Keep up the good work. Have a great night. <laughs> uh, oh, man, Tom? that's a sticky wicket right there. A lot of people like the Bajor. <laughs> right. And- I'm just going to kick this one over to Kate. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, Kate, you're going to respond. No. Uh, I do. I know maybe, Tom, maybe you just don't understand it because you're not a person of faith and they can't explain it to you. No. No, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> like, I think I... I think I even said in the episode when we were, yeah, that's so weird. It's not quite every, there's different kinds of faith. It's not it's like Kira doesn't have that kind of Paul Tillich kind of philosophical, like oh, where doubt is a big part of faith. It's like, no, for them, it's faith is just believing in whatever without. Yeah. But yeah, it would have been nice. I mean, I get, I, I think that the writers like Kira. I don't think they, I don't, it's not that they don't like Bajor. I do think that, that maybe there's an element to their, like, since obviously it's a commentary on earth religion, so I don't, I, I know it's different than earth religion. Right, but it's right. obviously a comment on Christianity in America, or religion in America. I don't have to typify it to Christianity. But it is being written, it seems to be it's written by people who, and I, all of us on this podcast have been brought up in some form of faith to some degree or another. That's right. Yeah, so it's not like none of us have had a purely atheistic upbringing that we all want. <laughs> but um, <laughs> mm. uh, but we, we, so, and I know a lot of our listeners deal with that too. It doesn't s- seem to me that the writers fully understand people of faith. And so I think that there is a, it does create those things like an ascension. Like I said in the right. episode of Ascension, I was frustrated in the good way where they were making me like the plot was making me frustrated. Not in, right. not in the, like if you've listened to the discovery podcast, <laughs> uh, it's a different kind of frustration. Uh, but this was, it's frustrating because I find religious people, frustrating people. And I get the feeling that so did the writer's room. It would be nice if there were hints of people who have more familiarity and a, and a more, and a more sympathetic view. Right. Well, religion. I think there is there is a sympathetic. I, well, you you said in the podcast, I think that there people like you trying to under, understand people like me. Yes. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I think that's the, the writers aren't. They might not be people of faith, but they also are like, well, we're trying to be sympathetic towards it. Yeah. And I think that that sympathy. I mean, I think it comes off as, as sympathy, but it's not. Yeah, it's not quite you know, understanding. It's, it's like what we say with represent. I mean, to, like representation of having women and black black people in in writers' rooms writing about this women and black people. It's uh, you know, but like the white people could be woke and sympathetic to the causes, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just need a black person in there to write black people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, David Simon does a really good job, but you, I'm sure he's got to consult with black people. To write, you know, and, and he does. Yeah, from what and, I even, and even so, once in a while, he'll screw up and say the wrong thing like, on Twitter. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he's, he's not above the occasional screw up. <laughs> he thought it, he thought he had a pass card, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not. No, he did not. But they didn't know that they weren't giving those out anymore. Uh, Tarantino <laughs> he, took them. The all Tarantino years ruined ago. it for everybody. Huh? Yeah, Tarantino <laughs> ruined it. So yes, so I think it's one of those things where I. I I find everything about the Bajoran religion frustrating bullshit, as you said in the podcast. Yes. But I, I think it doesn't have to be that way. I think the writers could have brought someone into the room. Yeah. 
that, that maybe that you know that maybe you know uh, spends their Sundays in a different way than other people. So. Right. I mean, I feel like they get two thirds of the way there, and then then they turn everybody into just wake up, wake mm. up sheeple where they're just like yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we. I mean, granted, they have like a major sympathetic lead figure in DS Nine is a woman of faith. Right. I don't think they've done that before. Right. But then right. again. Like, I think it's like the way they use it in Daredevil. It's just, it's sometimes a plot crutch to give you more internal drama and not necessarily like a full, fully fleshed up part of the character's worldview. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. But Kira's a good character. I, yeah. So I'm yeah. like, you know, any future Kira stories or a book on Kira could probably really do a lot of like corrective you work know, towards it, the faith. It, oh, I'm I, am, pretty sh- I imagine Tom from Cleveland is an American, right? I believe he's so. from Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, he has he's, he has one eighth Finnish ancestry, I think. But it, I think okay, he's, he's from oh, Cleveland. Yeah, he's from Cleveland, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why he's okay, talking from so Cleveland. There's no more a religious culture more infuriating than American religious culture. I can't watch a Star Trek and get more irritated at them than my own fellow Americans and their bullshit thoughts and prayers whenever I, we I, have I madness going. So I like. I I see what he's saying, but, but who? Where yeah. are the good writers for America right now that need to write a better story, need to write better <laughs> scripted characters for us? <laughs> oh yeah, the, this America America the show is fucked up. Like yeah. who still watches that shit? Like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Big Love was pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah, a show like that, <laughs> a show like Big Love, I think I, I get I fine. get Tom's point, and I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I, yeah, I, no, I, no, I say. Uh, all right. Well, what else you got for us, Wade? All right. Well, okay. We got another call here from Greg from North Carolina. Bring it on. Hey, this is Greg from North Carolina. I'm calling after listening to the session episode. So I thought it was interesting that you thought that Cisco giving up the position was not well done. I thought it worked very well for a very simple reason. Going off of Wade's comment about this is where it transitioned to be more about Cisco than about Starfleet. Starfleet has been putting pressure on Cisco this entire time about the emissary position, probably because they, you know, they have a history in TOS of people coming to a plant saying, I can fix it and stay there and become the leaders when they shouldn't. So Cisco is reluctant to have the position anyway. Starfleet is constantly giving pressure on him. This guy comes along and says, well, actually, I'm the emissary. There's the chance of a religious schism, even a civil war, which I don't think you guys discussed. Might have missed it. And Starfleet probably goes, Cisco says, hey, this needs to be resolved now. This guy wants to be the emissary. We don't want you to be the emissary. Give it up. This guy says, okay, you know what? I didn't really want it. I'll give it up. So there's probably not really any time to delve into the politics. Or even Starfleet said his politics don't matter. Cisco, you can't be the leader anymore. So then thing, bad things happen. And this also goes to the second point about why did the Bajorans just start following this guy? I think it's because after the occupation, the Bajorans got united in part by, you know, get rid of the Cardassians, but also by the religion. They probably weren't as religious before the Cardassians came in and started breaking everything. That's a good point. Now they're more religious. They've been a lot of the customs out of necessity, but they are more religious than before. And this guy comes along and says, hey, to follow the prophets, who, by the way, I am the emissary of, you have to go back to the things that you cast aside. And I think that's why Kira is, throughout the episode, uncomfortable, unhappy, but following along because, you know, she's part of this whole religious revival she knows that this is a bad idea, but she also feels like she has to follow by faith. The person who gives up her, her, their seat to Kira, they don't look happy about it either. I think they understand it's a bad idea, 
But again, the idea of we've sort of been bonded by this thing, we're stuck with it. What do we do when we get a genuinely bad religious leader? In some ways, it's fascinating exploration of things that we haven't seen with Kai Wynn that would be interesting to see but are kind of outside the scope of the show. Anyway, that's it. Have a good day. Now, wait a minute. Is this point that they got more religious because of the occupation? Yeah, which is a thing that would happen. That's one. That they were less re- religious before? That, that you end up, in times of stress, you end up following into things that bind you. So that, like, people stick to their guns and their church and their, you know, like, cling to their, what did Obama say? Right, right, cling clings. to their uh, guns and their Bible and their, you know. yeah. And I think that's the point he's making is that that they, yeah, that they rediscovered like a like a religious like a religious like intensity because yeah. of that because it was yeah. something that the- I mean I th- we we did mention like the unrest in a little bit but it is we didn't go into we didn't uh, in our uh, way that we might have mm-hmm. or we could have or we have had on other things where we go on for a long long time like we did mention that they were gonna. Forced deportation yeah. and what? Yeah, no, no, yeah. They, um, but um, like a case study of that, he would be like the way that like the the Jim Crow era strengthened black churches, the way the Holocaust strengthened Jewish identity in America and stuff like that. Yes, so I understand. Yeah. I understand the concept, but I'm talking about in story. We have no proof, right? I guess my objection. No, no, is no, 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 no. The it's, concept yeah, it's, is sound. I understand the concept, but mm-hmm. we don't have any proof. Of we do, yeah, we do know that they were living under a caste system right. because of their, and that, which was also uh, when based did they, on the religion. Right, did right. That, did the but wait, but did that? Uh, this is where I'm not clear. When did they get rid of the caste system? Was it hundreds of years before Cardassian rule? No, the, we actually Cardassians did that because it was um, it was impossible to follow a caste system whenever right. you're the, enslaved. Yeah, yeah, Kira points out that they had to get rid of it for the resistance. Actually, we got a tweet from uh, uh, at Simpsons Ref where he, he brings up a good point where it's like the caste system thing that stopped during the occupation. It gets a little bit gross here. Uh, may mean that Goldicott may not have been 100% wrong when he said the occupation made the Bar- Bajorans into I, a better people. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's 100% self-serving, but they got I they got rid of that caste system, that, which is pretty awful, uh, you know. That that co- that whole conversation still sticks in my craw. Yeah. About I mean, I think Simpson's ref here would probably still agree that it is a pretty awful thing to say. But I mean, you don't want to say that, but like, I mean, you're I mean, you're right that that is a form of I mean, caste systems are gross. That caste system is pretty gross and, too. Generally, I'm not a fan of caste systems. So <laughs> I'm glad, you, I'm glad you finally said it, James. I'm also not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a fan of people. You know, like you know, forced labor camps and, and you know that kind of stuff too. So I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not advocating for a fictional like. Wait, are you? Are you going to tell me you're against like, the? Sorry, <laughs> strong stances. <laughs> a pretty bold stance. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, again, I think this show is laying out questions that these aren't like things that need to be like hidden or right. like cleaned up with a line. These are things that this is an episode. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like use that as a use that as a springboard for an episode. Yeah. So I mean, they didn't, and that's fine. They do. They go from this point on. They I don't think they spend. They they do a good job. So we'll see. But I, you know that that's one of those things that's like that's a that's an open ended question. That's a way to look at that. That's pretty open. Yeah. Hmm. Not open to interpretation, but like I would like to see that explored because you have a plot question there. So 
So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the call, Greg. Uh, it's some good. Yeah. That's a good. I mean, it's like, it's a really good point. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. All that's right. It. Yeah. Let's uh, do you want to do we need to outro this bad yeah, boy? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, so, yeah. Let us know what you think. Give us a call. Give us your opinions on what we've said about anything. Normally, we talk about Deep Space Nine and other Star Trek, but yeah, give us, <laughs> let us know what you think. Yeah, give us a call. You can reach us via voice mail at 917 408 3898. You can email us at rules of pod at gmail.com. Twitter is pod, But also join us on the Patreon if you want to. You know, help us out, support us for what we do at patreon.com slash kickers of elves. We try to make it worth your while. We've got other audio and a lot of other stuff over there. Check out, see if you like it. And, you know, do all the other things that every other podcast asks you to do. Seriously, iTunes reviews are great, especially with this new iTunes thing. I don't know. Maybe it helps more than it used to. Nobody knows. Big mystery in the world. <laughs> do do all the stuff. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Uh, three to beam out. Boop. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again, 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.